Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. That time of year again, the Olympics are over. Spring training at its zenith, I guess you could say. Florida and Arizona. 15 teams in Florida, 15 teams in Arizona. The political jousting continues. Today we talk baseball as a vehicle for business and other sports business development activities. Who better than a baseball fan of the New York Mets? So she's been looking on the downside, looking up for many, many, many years. Amy Tenery, one of the digital editors at Reuters. How are you? And I'm sorry for the comment, but that's life. Hey, it's okay. I'm a Mets fan. I'm a glass half full kind of gal at all times. Um, I'm doing great. I just got back from Florida spring training, and I understand that you just spent some time in Arizona. I spent some time in Arizona. We had a conference of industry executives themed around the Phoenix International Raceway. Brian Sperber, the guy that runs it, kind enough to put it on, Group 1001 sponsoring it as well. But it gave us an opportunity to talk a little bit about the business of sports as it relates to attracting new events and, and, and keeping events we've got. So, you know, what's your overall take of sports as big business, the mega events? Well, you know, something that was really interesting, and I don't want to give it up too much as a spoiler, but one of your, your first interview with Debbie Johnson, who heads up uh, tourism in Arizona, she was talking about how the state has seen a $1.3 billion impact from mega events that the state has hosted recently, Super Bowl, Final Four. Um, you know, it occurred to me that in a lot of ways, this kind of helps justify uh, the big you know, public-private partnerships that come out of these new stadium constructions. And if you are a market that's able to attract mega events that adds that value on top of the regular season, does that give you an edge over smaller markets that might not necessarily be able to snag those events um, aside from the regular season? Well, the answer is it definitely gives you an up because there is tourism and infrastructure based on hosting mega conventions, entertainment events, sports events should be considered just that. And so obviously these are also people who are under understand and aware of what the economic impact means and how it really generates business. When you think about it, Debbie Johnson spending over two decades of that tourism experience in Arizona, he she started as the head of the Valley Hotel and Resort Association. In 1995, and uh, elevated to the top tourism official in Arizona, uh, appointed by Doug Ducey, the governor, to that post in August of 2015, she completely understands the benefits of public-private partnerships relative to tourism. Here's her perspective now. You started in 1995 as president and CEO of the Valley Hotel and Resort Association, worked your way up around the industry. Governor appoints you to run tourism, basically, in Arizona. How does that make you feel? Uh, It's such an honor to work for the governor, to work for the state, and to be in this industry that I love so much. And it's been just an opportunity that I could never even imagine. And I'm so grateful for all that I'm able to do and, and really the opportunity to sell this amazing state. And I moved here in 1985 because I came to a race at PIR and I loved it so much went back to Wyoming and couldn't get home because the road was closed because of snow Hmm. so moved here a year later 
That leads me to a specific point of not only how business is actually done, but also that that's anecdotal. And a lot of academics would have trouble putting that into numbers and therefore reject it. And part of your business on a regular basis is to sell the magnitude and glory of tourism beyond just the numbers. Absolutely. And, and I think we can all look at numbers all day long. There's research out there, and we love our research at the Office of Tourism. But it really is the stories that people can share with us and tell us about what they love about Arizona, what they love to do about Arizona. And to me, Arizona is about creating memories and experiences for people that they couldn't get anywhere else. And we use the phrase only in Arizona, and PIR is one of those places, the Grand Canyon. We have so many around the state. We're, we're very blessed. Well, you're blessed also with significant tourism infrastructure, so you're able to have a coordinated effort that many states just only aspire to. Talk a little bit about the specifics. Well, I think, you know, we have things. PIR is, is a great example, but we have so many activities that we can do here. And when you talk about the sports world and you talk about kind of the product development, to have some of the activities that we have in Arizona, Super Bowls, Final Four, golf tournaments, you know, obviously the PIR races, all these things that we're able to host in our state really give us some pride as community residents. And it's not then just about visitors coming in, it's also about the pride for the community. Interesting dynamic. We've had former mayors, existing mayors on our show, the U.S. Council of Mayors, and I'm sure there's an analogous tourist director. Yes. Do you sit in a room across from somebody from another state and say, I'm going to beat that person, I'm going to take their events? You know what's funny is we don't. <laughs> we sit across from the people in the room who do my job, and we, we talk all the time about there's 50 of us who mm. do this one job, and that's to bring tourism into our state. And, and they ha we help each other. And sure, do, do I want to get a Super Bowl over somebody else? Do I want to mm. get some events over somebody else? But it's amazing how well, I'm sure like the mayors and the other groups, we work together, and we really want to partner and make sure that our destinations are as strong as they can be. So broad context of sports as a tourism generator. It, one of the differences is maybe similarities. It requires a substantial upfront investment by somebody. Public-private partnerships, very important to you? Public-private partnerships are very important, especially to the sports events. And I think, you know, we're lucky because people see the economic impact of these events. When we had the recent three events that we just had with the Final Four, the championship game, and the Super Bowl, it was a $1.3 billion economic impact. And those are numbers that we just couldn't match from our industry. And so when you get the kind of national advertising that PIR and other things bring to Arizona, it's money we couldn't afford to spend on advertising. So it's just a great thing all around. I like to say that there are a few economists looking for attention who joust for the last paragraph of the Wall Street Journal article oh. to talk about the replacement impact and that there's not a whole lot of value in major events. You obviously say no to that, but talk about generally the rationale. Well, you know, I, I do understand that there's people who are skeptical about those numbers. And what we say is, you know, you're bringing in fifty to 70,000 people per event into the destination who may or may not have been here, but the exposure that you get, and so you, what we, the numbers that we look at are one-time numbers. Right. Super Bowl brought in $720 million in economic impact, but that's just for that event. What about the people who are watching the Super Bowl around the world, who are looking at our weather in late January, early February, right. and going, that's where I want to yeah. be. The sun's shining, the weather's beautiful, and so those are the destinations that they want to come to, and we're pretty blessed that way. You have a huge men's golf tournament, women's, four amazing pro sports franchises. You've got this, 
you've got spring training. What's next? Gosh, you know, I think there's going to be some looks at some other bids. What what things can we bid on coming up? We're not in the mix right now yeah. for any of those mega events that people w talk win about. Winter Olympics. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> wouldn't they love to come? I yeah. think we're missing a yeah. few things like snow. We are. We are. Snow, right. but Sorry. you know, you never know. There's Ch a lot of things. Beijing doesn't have snow yeah, yet. But that's 2022. True. A lot of places don't yeah, have snow right, right now. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's the bad thing. So I think we've got a lot on the horizon. We're just you know, really looking forward to what we've got and we're happy to be able to sell this great destination in the sunshine that we have. And I guess finally, um, Brian Sperber and his folks, $178 million renovation, uh, it's an incredible investment that will pay off long term for the state. Uh, what do you think? I think it's amazing and I haven't been out here in a number of years so I'm excited to see what's already taken place, what's going to take place and I think PIR is only going to grow and, and what we love about it is they're making a long-term investment. They're not going anywhere and we like that and we want to make sure from a visitor perspective that we can encourage people to come out here because we know that people are coming into Arizona but what else can they do? Come to PIR, come see all the things that they have going on so we're really excited. So Debbie's been in this business for 30 years, and one of her ideas is that sports is economic development. Obviously, it's a big takeaway that everybody understands. Amy, what's your takeaway of Debbie's interview? Well, yeah, you know, it was just so fascinating to me to hear about all of the diversity of sports that Arizona's been able to attract. Obviously, the Super Bowl, as we mentioned before, uh, they have a world-famous you know golf tournament every year. You guys were hanging out at the Phoenix International Raceway. And something, you know, that, that came up in your second interview, and again, I don't mean to spoil it too much, but with Andy Tobin, he talked about uh, esports commerce, and it's not something that really came up with Debbie. And I'm wondering, with eSports, which is such a runaway success in terms of growing fandom and viewership and talent, is that something in terms of infrastructure that these markets need to be looking into more? Clearly. And, and, and first of all, you know, the business side is, is really interesting. Uh, PIR is now a ISM Raceway. It's, uh, it's a, a, a large business commitment from a, a local and national energy company to name it, uh, naming racetracks has become a big deal just like stadiums and arenas. But to your point, you've always got to find new business and it's new sports is like every other kind of new business. If you have a Saturn plant, you want to go after a BMW plant. Well, e-commerce is taking the world by storm and everybody is not only trying to figure out how to do it, but also how to invest in it. So it is interesting that Andy Tobin, who is a member of the Arizona Corporation Commission, appointed by Governor Ducey, he was on the Arizona, in the Arizona House of Representatives and the Speaker of the House beginning in 2011. So he is one of your quintessential successful Arizona politicians, but he's the one that brought up the idea of looking for new sports as economic development, including eSports. Here's Andy Tobin now. Thank you for coming over from the State House to participate in a, you know, bang up panel, but it's also about the advocacy and business of sports right. as a business development agent. So talk about that. Yeah, so I, I think what, you, what you're seeing here today is this, uh, you know, $150 million improvement out here in the West Valley, which is just just one piece of what this uh, what the sports, e-sports commerce means to yeah. Arizona. I mean, the growth that's in here, the amount of tourism we get, but uh, and we talked about earlier on the panel, the, the amount that that contributes into other communities that aren't necessarily in the valley. I mean, you know, we've got a, you know, you know the little golf tournament over here that's 725,000 people. Oh, we have the Fiesta Bowl that comes in and does so much for our communities, and but it spreads out. 
Yeah, you got the Diamondbacks helping the Native American communities put together baseball parks in places that would not have had them without it. So I, I think if folks would take a moment to look and see what this would this picture would like in our commerce across you know across the state from high tech to universities to whatever, what would it look like without sports? And I, and I think when you start taking a picture of that, it, it, it looks very dim, you know, so uh, but we're on top of it here now. Tourism folks would say it's really important yeah. to use the tourism aspect yeah. to attract a snowy uh, person from yeah. Wisconsin and see the Phoenix open. Right. Your job also is to turn those into strong business leads. Yeah. How, do you, how do you do that? You know, it's, uh, so it, it, it's being able to share that story. You know, folks who come here for, for weather and a beautiful day like this and to watch a race. or the, But the other piece is that they can come here in two hours from now, they could be skiing up north. Yeah. So while they can get out of the snow in their driveway, they don't miss having to get a chance to go ski. So it gives us a chance to expose what Arizona is as Southwest Cal capital of business and finance, but also the gateway to the Americas and, and, uh, and of course, the number one growth state in the country, Arizona State University is a, the number one university of innovation in, in the country right now. And, and so those things all add up. So in, and when we get their CEOs or we get their, their executives that come here and participate in this process, we get a chance to hang on to them. And we get a chance to say, hey, have you seen the economic development opportunities? And that's what sells us here. What is the biggest challenge that you have in terms of attracting business and retaining existing business? Well, I think when when you start looking at you know the the political ramifications of what happens at the Capitol, always always values that. But when you have a governor like Governor Ducey, you know it really helps when one can you got a guy in there who can read a balance sheet, right? And he can and he can talk and promote not and the just, former state treasurer. Yeah, right? yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah right. that's right. So that and the former CEO of you know, of an ice cream right. company. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I guess I can say Cold Stone Creamery. Sure but at the end of the day, you have somebody who gets it. Here's an Arizona State grad who who made successful his opportunity when he came to Arizona from Ohio. Here he is. He's growing this state, but he's growing. He, yesterday he's in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, we have big states out here in the West, obviously. And there's a <laughs> lot of distance to go, and he's all over. And and but he's inviting, and he's sincere. And I think when you start seeing what the what really the makeup of our neighborhood here is in the state of Arizona, that attracts it. The growth in uh, in uh, our student body that is uh, ready for this job workforce uh, is just incredible. So all, he's got everything working on all full cylinders, and I think that's what the business community wants to see before they make that final investment here. And I think that's what he's bringing from a national perspective. Yeah business development. States can do what they want to right. to manipulate tax structure. Right. What's the federal government's responsibility to make sure business has it easier than they did Boy, before? Boy, that's an easy question. I just yeah, want yeah. them to stay out of our way. Got it. I, mean, I, want Got it. To, I said, listen, you know, if you let us compete, uh, we'll be just fine. And whether it's Raytheon, Arizona's number one manufacturing facility growth in, in the country right now. And that's because we have we, our state government gets out of the way so our governor can do his job. And if the federal government would just, you just just leave us alone for a little bit and take care of the things you need to, but yeah, give us a break and let us move forward. So Andy Tobin has a lot to say, and uh, both of them work really well in tandem to bring events to Arizona. Debbie Johnson on the tourism side and Andy Tobin on the general B2B, we call it that, the business side. But Amy, I've got a kind of question for you. There is a whole notion of Arizona as kind of the place that mega events land you know, what's your takeaway of what they're doing collectively? 
Well, what they're doing collectively is obviously uh, significant for the market, for the business. But that said, you know, I'm looking at another statistic in another major city, and that's in Los Angeles. The NBA All-Star break brought in at least $116 million in increased economic activity to Los Angeles County. And they're not stopping there. They're going to host several other prominent sporting events uh, coming up. They've got the 2022 Super Bowl, 2023 CFB National Championship, and the the 2028 Summer Olympics. And let's not forget, on top of that, they also have two NBA teams, and they have gone from zero to two NFL teams. Is Los Angeles just poised to absolutely squash every other sports market in America? Well, they've got the template, and certainly, ironically, the Sports Entertainment Commission came up with that study that they've hired an independent group to assess. That $116 million is a particularly impressive figure when you consider the MLB All-Star game played in Anaheim was just $85 million. And oh, no really? MLB All-Star game other than, you know, near neck of the woods, City Field and Yankee Stadium ever made a larger impact on a city. You mentioned the, the events that L.A. is attracting, but they also know how to put it on when they attract it. So the idea of L.A. Live and the combination of events at the Staples Center and what AEG does, that $116 million is about 40% higher than what New Orleans brought in the year before. So clearly it's important. On the other hand, they're facing stiff competition. It's not L.A.'s race to exclusively win. As we know, Vegas is building a new stadium for the Raiders and also an arena that they just opened for the Golden Knights. What that means is another major tourism town will be competing for future Final Fours and conventions and Super Bowls and NCAA tournaments as well as NBA All-Star Game and the like. So it is clearly not... LA's to exclusively win, but it is up to people like the Arizona Brain Trust to protect their position as well. Yeah, and I mean, not to say that LA doesn't have a tourist draw in and of itself, but I mean, Las Vegas, it has built in tourist appeal right there. I could imagine people who aren't fans of, of either the Raiders or the Golden Knights just buying tickets to catch a game because they happen to be in town. Um, you know, one night you go see Brittany, the next night you go see the Golden Knights. I don't know. But um, to completely change gears, I just wanted, before we we uh, walk away, to get your thoughts on the uh, latest Winter Olympics, um, Pyeongchang. I want to hear what were your standout moments, either in the business, sports, or just at any of the events. We just finished Pyeongchang, and the bottom line of those Olympics were a success in a lot of different ways. Not really over budget, a legacy that they're going to be leaving as far as facilities for the future. I think the win-win is the um, cultural aspect and the political aspect. If we thought that we would immediately have the Koreans talking to each other and have an opportunity for an olive branch extended beyond it, people wouldn't have even believed it, and it's happening. And now Tokyo 2020 takes up the mantle. They're bringing events in. They're bringing uh, new corporate sponsorship in. Their corporate money basically has surpassed what London did at this time two years before their event. So the Olympic movement is the big winner, even if the American medal count is not. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I was I was very pleased to see um, how smoothly this Olympics went, especially, you know, Rio obviously put on a great display. But if you look at what the city has been left with after the fact, that is a just enormous economic mess. So I was really happy to see it go well. I, I have really high hopes for, for Tokyo 2020. Um, 
I, it, 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 I thought they did a great job putting it on. I think I said on Twitter, too, I want a movie made about the women's North and South Korean hockey team. I think that's just absolutely a great storyline. I would love to have a window into what that was like for those women from those two countries coming together. Obviously, you know, they didn't have as much success on the ice, but I think it was such a cool moment and uh, a piece of history. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the confirmation on keeping score that Amy Tenery and Rick Harrow are going into the production business of a 50-50 partnership on the men's and women's, the women's joint Korean North and South hockey team. We're going to make a lot of money on that item, uh, 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 Amy, and the check is in the mail. Rick Harrow, speak with you soon. You secure the financing, I'll write the script. Yeah, perfect. As always, see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. The producer, Alex Cohn. Associate producers, Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, and Ronnie Sokatch. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Haro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.